Welcome to Well That Was Weird, the podcast, Serial Saturday edition, where each week we discuss different murder, mayhem, and heinous crimes. My name is Isaiah. And I'm Chance. And um, this week, uh, talking about the murder of Kellyanne Bates. Yes, this is, uh, this is pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've, we figured we'd kind of start doing some of these one-offs. Uh, since our episode on the killing of Tim McLean did so well, um, so we thought that this would be a, a good one to get into. Yeah, and there's a lot of um, interesting cases like this, uh, like Chance mentioned, that are just like one murder, not serial killers. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll be alternating between things like this and uh, like last week we did the... Uh, the Le Mans disaster. The Le Mans disaster. Uh, that was... One of my favorite episodes so far. Yeah. Uh, the Frisbee decapitation just got me. Yeah. It just had my heart. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, next week, we're probably doing the uh, the molasses flood. Yeah. The great molasses flood. If you've never read into that, you can uh, you know pre-read some of that info. So stay tuned for that. But so. uh, yeah, let's get rolling on the murder of, of Kelly Ann Bates. Um Fair warning, though this this does this does get pretty brutal. Yeah, it's gonna get dark. Yeah. So uh, Kellyanne Bates was born in 1978. Uh, was an English teacher who was murdered in Manchester, England, at the age of 17 by her abuser James Patterson Smith. Okay. She was tortured over a period of four weeks, including having her eyes gouged out from their sockets up to three weeks before her death. Uh, and then eventually she was uh, murdered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. Now, the murder inquiry was headed by Detective Sergeant Joseph Monaghan of Greater Manchester Police, who said, quote, I've been in the police force for 15 years and have never seen a case as horrific as this. William Lawler, the pathologist who examined Bates's body, described her injuries as the worst he had seen on a murder victim. Smith, who had, been a, who had had a history of violence and torture against former sexual partners, denied murdering Bates, but was convicted and sentenced to life imprisonment on the 19th of November, 1997. Hmm. Well, I mean, uh, apparently, James Patterson Smith, apparently he had started grooming this girl when she was just 14 years old. Ooh. Like he had been like watching her and trying to, trying to, well, he was, he was a pedophile basically. Yeah. And this was all, I mean, it, what it came down to, it was premeditated. Yeah. Like he can say whatever he wants, but you torture somebody like that. It's going to eventually lead to murder. Yeah, exactly. Like um, you, you, you're fully aware of, because I, I think during the trial and we'll get to it, but he was even like, well, she made me mad sometimes. Like, yeah. You don't do that to someone who makes you upset. No, no, <laughs> no. She left the stove on. Well, you don't gouge your eyes out. No, <laughs> no. Um, and now this this is worth uh, reminding that this dude, um, Smith, he was a divorcee in his late forties, and she was this, seventeen. This girl was seventeen exactly, and when he started grooming her, she was fourteen. Yeah. Like and apparently he kept it very secret from 
from her parents the whole grooming process, apparently, uh, that B- Bates's parents didn't even meet this dude until two years later when, yeah, until she was like 16. God. So he kind of kept it. But yeah, they had spoken to him on the phone, but were completely oblivious to his age. And they were actually concerned after the first introduction when they met him because, again, Obviously, she was... Obviously, he's a 48-year-old yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. He's like a 40-plus-year-old man. Exactly. Um, so, I guess let's let's continue on the story. So, yeah, a little bit more about him. James Smith was, a, uh, it was an unemployed uh, divorcee living in the Gorton area of Manchester. He was described by his acquaintances as house-proud and well-groomed. He was a teetotaler and a non-smoker. His marriage had ended in 1980 after 10 years because he had been violent towards his wife. His next relationship was with a 20-year-old Tina Watson, whom between 1980 and 82, he, quote, used as a punch bag, even subjecting her to severe beatings while she was pregnant with his child. Whoa. She said, quote, at first it was now and again just a little tap, but in the end it was every day. He would smack me in the face, hit me over the head with an ashtray. He would kick me in the legs or between the legs. Watson managed to escape from the relationship during which Smith had also attempted to drown her while she was bathing. When that relationship came to an end in 1982, Smith then started seeing 15-year-old Wendy Mottershed, 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 Mm. uh, whom he also abused. In one attack, he held her head underwater in the kitchen sink in an, in an attempt to drown her. What's this, this dude's fascination with drowning people? Uh, I, I don't know, but it's... Uh, eventually, he does it. Yeah, exactly. In 1993, Smith began grooming Kelly Bates when she was only 14 years old, having met her while she was babysitting for friends. Approximately two years later, when she had left school, Bates moved in with Smith at his home in Furnival, Furnival Road, Gorton. Okay. She was concealing the age between them from her parents, Tommy and Margaret Bates. Ooh. Bates's mother said of her first meeting with Smith after the two had started living together, uh, she was quoted saying, As soon as I saw Smith, the hairs on the back of my neck went up. I tried everything I could to get Kellyanne away from him. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think it's... It's worth uh, mentioning, though, that, um, you know, she she was, you know, pretty much regarded as, as a pretty ambitious uh, teenager. Her parents thought her, she was, you know, g- going places because she had dreamed of becoming a teacher and attending college while working for a graphics firm and all this kind of stuff. That's, yeah, like, that's so, I, I guess I won't say that's odd to me because people like who they like, you know. And yeah, that's, sure. I almost like in my head, I was like, why would somebody with that much ambition be like, let me go after this 48 year old man. And I'm surprised that with his track record of like beating previous girlfriends, a word hadn't spread at all. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I guess that's, that's completely up to the, the, the victim. Um, I, I, I'm assuming like if they hadn't, if they didn't say anything, then and he wasn't in jail. He hadn't been arrested, I don't Mm-mm. think. So, no. Uh, unfortunately, you know, because no one said anything, it, it led to worse events. Yeah. Um, and it, the parents even say that after she met Smith, that she completely changed. She stopped showering and she would just spend hours curled up on the sofa in complete silence. Yeah. Like he was obviously 
like mentally and physically just destroying her. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the parents even say it said at one point she came home and one side of her face was black, and they she said that some girls had attacked her, um, and but they uh, the parents were afraid that if they said, "Oh, you can't see this guy anymore," that she would. Just disappear, basically. Well, yeah, that she would either disappear or that she would disown her parents. Yeah, like, yeah. She would be like, well, fine, I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah. Yeah, so. And that's, yeah, that's the problem with things like that is, like, trying to step in to do the right thing. You don't know how that person's going to react. Yes. Especially if she's been, like, um, emotionally traumatized. Yeah. Like, he could have groomed her to the point that if they did be like, look, you can't see her, she would be too scared to be like, well, I'm just going to cut you off. Mm-hmm. And stay with him and it's just gonna make things that much worse yeah exactly um apparently though at one point um bates came home and she told her parents that she had a new job and that she wouldn't be able to see them as much and then she left the family home for good on uh, the 30th of november 1995 and moved into this guy's two-bedroom semi-detached house um hmm. And then she continued to speak to her parents on the phone, but they never actually saw her alive again at, from that point. Wow. What, what is semi-detached? Um, like a house that's off bedrooms. of another one? I think so. Like a, like a, kind of like a condo, maybe? Yeah. Or like a townhome, maybe? Something like, a, like a, not a shed. But no. Like. <laughs> uh, no, not a shed. Uh, um. But uh, apparently, though, as soon as she moved in with him, uh, she was methodically ostracized from her family and friends. Um, So apparently when the phone calls back home became even more sporadic and the birthday and the Christmas cards were signed by the dude Smith and not Bates. So they would send out like Christmas cards and it would only be signed by him. Yeah. Like, he goes to the trouble of signing it. Yeah. It's like, that's not going to look weird. Yeah, yeah. So, th- at that point is when the family be- started to become even more concerned for her well-being and, you know, started to contact um, the doctors and the police and stuff like that. Yeah. And But she was never checked up on either, well, probably because she was now a legal adult. Well, here's the thing. Did I'm just wondering, did they not know where he lived? Like, did they not try to go and find him or... Well, they said, the parents say specifically that they were apprehensive about going to the house and checking up on her because they were afraid that their interference could backfire and push their daughter even further away. Yeah. Well, it, it says here that although she had left Smith briefly because of arguments, she was once more living with him at Furnival Road by the end of 95. Her parents noticed the bruisers on her, which we talked about, which she explained away as being results of accidents. She became increasingly withdrawn and in December 1995 resigned from her part-time job. In 96, in March, her parents received cards uh, from her for their anniversary and a birthday, mm-hmm. but only Smith had signed them. Yep. When Bates' brother tried to see her at the house, Smith said, said that she was not at home. When a concerned neighbor asked after her, she was briefly shown at an upstairs window. Like, that's not a fucking red flag at all. Dude. Being like, oh, where's Kellyanne? He's going to be like, come to the window. Yeah. <laughs> like, and she's like, <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's some straight up I, horror movie. Well, I'm, I'm thinking, I, my first thought is like Buffalo Bill. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's like stuff like that. Goodbye horses, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my first thought. Um, lotion in the basket. Yeah, puts the lotion in the basket, exactly. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, yeah. Um, now, I guess I guess we're kind of ready to... You know, we've we've kind of covered a lot of the backstory leading up to all of this. Because, um, like I said, she... She moved. She officially moved out of her parents' house like right at the end of November '95. Yep. And on the 16th of April '96, Smith walked to a local police station and said that Bates was dead. Yeah, he called the police. Yeah. And said, "I've accidentally killed my girlfriend." Yeah, yeah. Um, he claimed that they During had been an argument in the bathtub. Yeah, he said that they had been like having an argument going at it in the bath, which is what he said. Yeah. And that she swallowed water and accidentally died. You can't swallow first of all, if you're swallowing and then it's over, you don't really choke on it. Can you choke on water and die? You can't, right? Like, like it's not a thing. I well uh, like say you're you're sitting in your chair. Yeah. And you somehow like choke and you're on water yeah. or drink. You can't die, can you? Because um, it's not like obstructing it. Like it doesn't. There's a thing called, um, what is it called? Like secondary drowning. Yeah. And honestly, that's a that's a thing that has kind of terrified me for a while. Yeah. It's like if you accidentally inhale a certain amount of water and it's just all the circumstances are right, you just slowly drown over the period of a day. Wait, what? Yeah. Like, while you're still, like, up doing stuff? Yeah. Hold on. I need to know more about this. <laughs> I need to put this on the list of things that I'm terrified of. <laughs> it's called dry drowning or secondary drowning. Um, it just, it, it, it puts a thing, you know, um, they define drowning as trouble breathing after you get water into your airways, and it's something that, that happens while swimming or bathing. But it can come from something as simple as getting water in your mouth or getting dunked under the water. Uh, it says, although it can be fatal, it isn't always. You can survive drowning if you get help right away. Um, dry drowning and secondary drowning, uh, those aren't actually medical terms, but they do point to rare complications that you should know about and that are more common in children, obviously. Um, but with dry drowning, water never reaches the lungs. Instead, breathing in water causes the vocal cords to spasm and close up that shuts off their airways, making it hard to breathe. Um, but you wouldn't notice these signs right away. It wouldn't happen. It, it wouldn't, you would notice these right away. It wouldn't happen out of the blue two days later or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, secondary drowning is another term people use to describe another drowning complication. It happens if water gets into the lungs there, it can irritate the lungs lighting and fluid can build up causing a condition called pulmonary edema and you'd likely notice your child having trouble breathing right away but it might get worse over the next 24 yeah, hours you have like wet cough and, and all that they only make up one to two percent of all the actual drownings oh okay but the general thing is you get pool water in it's got like chlorine and stuff in it and your lungs just, are like holy crap yeah and it starts to, to fill with fluid and then you drown in your own lung fluid basically that's terrifying yeah hey speaking of drowning uh, I'm all, I'm horribly terrified of it, but I got an Oculus Quest 2 last week, Okay, and there's a bunch of free VR videos, and one of those is the Meg experience, you oh know, my God. with the enormously giant shark. Yeah. 
I didn't watch it long enough to see the Meg. I watched 15 seconds and turned it off. And I got so scared and like my anxiety hit me so bad. I didn't know how to turn it off. I freaked out. So I just closed my eyes and hoped it stopped. But the guy on the radio was like, we're seeing something in the distance. I was like, no, <laughs> like fighting to get the headset off. I couldn't do it. I had a better time. I went through the it VR video with Pennywise. Like <laughs> fuck that clown. But giant sharks, no thank you. Um, because well, it was just dark and murky, and I was yeah. like, oh god, I'm getting anxiety <laughs> thinking about it. So as we're about to see, um, Kelly Ann Bates uh, endured something way more horrific than Isaiah's. Um, yeah, sorry to make light of her murder. <laughs> You're like, it was just like being murdered. Having <laughs> I'm not that. comparing it. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's clear that up. I'm not comparing her murder to my VR anxiety. <laughs> that would be really bad. At least we cleared that up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, like what we said is that, you know, this dude finally went to the police and said, oh, yeah, we were fighting, and then she swallowed some water, and now she died. But they were... It was pretty clear when they came over to his house to investigate that that was not the case. Absolutely. At all. So, on April 16th, 1996, Smith reported to the police that he had accidentally killed his girlfriend during an argument in the bathtub, claiming she had inhaled <laughs> water and died following his attempts at resuscitation. Hmm. He also claimed that she often pretended to be unconscious. Oh. Police went to Smith's address and found Bates's naked body in a bedroom. Yep. Her blood was found throughout the house, and a post-mortem examination revealed over 150 separate injuries on her body. During the last month of her life, she had been kept bound, sometimes tied by her hair to a radiator or furniture, or by her neck by way of ligature. Mm-hmm. William Lawler, the home office pathologist who examined her body, said, In my career, I've examined almost 600 victims of homicide, but I've never come across injuries so extensive. Wow. The following injuries were found on Bates' body. Okay. I will list those now. <laughs> Scalding to her butt cheeks and left leg. Mm. Burns on her thigh caused by the application of a hot iron. A fractured arm. Uh, sorry, multiple stab wounds caused by knives, forks, and scissors. Stab wounds inside her mouth. Crushed injuries to both her hands. Mutilation of her ears, nose, eyebrows, mouth, lips, and genitalia. Wounds caused by a spade and pruning shears. Both of her eyes were gouged out. Late stab wounds to the empty eye sockets and a partial scalping. Yeah, um, I think it's also worth pointing out here. You mentioned the crush wounds to her hands. Mm -hmm. Her kneecaps were also crushed. Oh. Along with her hands to make sure she couldn't escape. Do you think, like, when the police showed up, because he was like, oh, no, I've mistakenly drowned my girlfriend, that they were like, how'd she lose her eyes, bud? <laughs> Is that the first thing? That <laughs> He's like, I don't know. They just <laughs> fell out. <laughs> I don't know. We were having an argument, and her eyeballs just fell out of her mouth. Like, I know it sounds like we're making light of this whole thing, but 
I mean, how else do you deal with something this horrific? I've, yeah, <laughs> like I have to make light of the situation. Otherwise, I'll have nightmares. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> during the investigation, they they uh, kind of determined that, you know, they found all of these injuries and they determined that they didn't occur all at once. It occurred over a prolonged period, like three to four weeks. Specifically, the pathologist determined her eyes had been removed uh, not less than five days and not more than three weeks before her death. Yeah, exactly. So she had been eyeless multiple days before he drowned her. Yeah. Apparently she'd also been starved and hadn't been given any water for several days before she died. Yeah, they, they marked her as uh, having to have been lost what, 20 kilograms in weight. I don't know uh, what that... That's a lot. That equals... Um, 20 Ks... American and not well-cultured. Um, actually, I have a... No, I don't. Wait, maybe I do. Hold on. <laughs> Uh-oh, cool guy pulling up JavaScript. No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I thought I had a calculator for that that I made just recently. Yeah. Um, I think Google's got it. Yeah. Okay, so what? how many? 20? 20, 20 kilograms. <sighs> That's like 44 pounds. Good Lord. Yeah. Um, yeah, she had only received water before her death. Peter Openshaw, the prosecutor in the trial, said it was as if he deliberately disfigured her, causing her the utmost pain, distress, and degradation. The injuries were not the result of a sudden eruption of violence. They must have been caused over a long period and were so extensive and so terrible that the defendant must have deliberately and systematically tortured this girl. The cause of death was drowning, Mm. immediately prior to which she had been beaten about the head with a, sh- with a shower head. Mm-hmm. Openshaw said that, quote, her death must have been a merciful end to her torment. Yeah. Um, and here's the, here's the really crazy part is, you know, a- after, after this happened, a family member still has to go and identify her body. Dude, I, ugh, I can't imagine yeah, so her her father had had he had to do it, and her father, um, yeah, I mean, can you, yeah, you have to see this like partially scalped, scalp, scalp, <sighs> eyeless, crushed I would hands. Hope that they would have tried to cover some of that. I mean, I guess you can. I mean, they need a positive ID. Yeah, but ain't no like seeing somebody partially scalped with no eyeballs ain't gonna help. <laughs> no, like pull that sheet up. So you can't see the body. Yeah. Put a put a fucking sleep mask on her or something. Yeah. Glue the head back on. <laughs> um like like that's the last thing you want. Like not only has your kid been murdered, yeah. You now have to be witness to what happened. Yeah, exactly what happened. Um her mother actually has a quote about um about about Smith. She says people called him an animal, but an animal wouldn't do that to another animal. He's an he's a very evil man, and I think about how much pain she must have been in, and how she must have thought that we didn't love her because we didn't save her. You know, because the parents said that they regret not going in and checking on her because yeah, yeah. they were afraid that you know she would just like she would not want to have anything to do with them anymore. Um. So yeah, um, fast forward a little bit. Um, to the trial. Um, hey, real quick, I have an uh, yeah question. Yeah, as far as body identification. Yeah, how 
does that work if somebody's in not an entire body? Um, I think. Do they still try? Like, didn't they just try to do dental or yeah? Like I think fingerprint they. I think they just try than, to try to do something like that. If it's like, hey, there's an arm with a tattoo on it. Yeah, I don't. Do think, you want to come look at the arm? Like, is, I don't think so. I I really don't think so. I I don't think so. But that's a good question. Yeah. I don't, um. If I don't know, maybe we need to like how, what's what's the line for them? To, what's the cutoff? I'm gonna I'm gonna I might actually post that question on there's a a subreddit on Reddit that's called people who work at. I'm oh say yeah. Like people who work at. Um. I guess you like I guess, a morgue. Yeah, I guess it would be like a morgue or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, how do you handle um, body identification if there isn't a complete body? Yeah, I might. I'm interested to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, like my dad had told me that um, he had he was when he worked at a funeral home. He was part of a uh, crew that had to pick up a guy mm. uh, that was hit by a train. Oh yeah, and the family requested an open casket funeral and the funeral home was like with what yeah we have him in trash bags right now (laughs) like he's in biohazard pieces like yeah they were like refusing or whatever and like the the funeral home had to be like no legally we're not going to do that i mean what would you do that yeah so they i think he said they still had it but it was like closed like a closed casket and they basically just sealed it yeah Uh, Well, I mean, that's my thing is like, what would you do if it was open? Would you just have the bags sitting in there? Yeah. Like, like it looks like trash day. (laughs) Take him out, you know? I mean, or do you try to piece it back together? You Frankenstein it? Yeah. (laughs) Put him in a suit and Frankenstein it? It's just a flat suit that's like they've just kind of stuffed like... Like the fucking scarecrow from Wizard of Oz. It's like a hand. <laughs> it's, I mean, they do that with some people, like gunshot victims, where they try to like use wax and, you know, <laughs> fucking. I don't. I don't know why I'm <laughs> laughing so hard about a guy getting destroyed by a train and having an open open casket funeral, but. Um, I think it's probably just desensitization is real. It really is. The Skinnered shirt with like pieces stuffed in it. I don't know. That's awful. That's probably happened somewhere. I'm not laughing at it. I'm just. Well, it's ridiculous to think that you could have something like that. It really is. Um. Okay. So let's um. (laughs) If I ever get dismembered. Horrifically, try to piece me back together, but put me on a wire like a marionette, and then fly me above the crowd at the funeral like one of those fucking haunted house ghosts. Somebody in the corner just like, like pulling a uh, got a pulley system, and I'm just like like floating over everybody. Put a ghost robe on me. Fly me over. I never thought this episode where we're talking about a woman getting tortured and drowned in a bathtub would end to me literally cry laughing. <laughs> well, we're not laughing at her. God no. bless her. Rest, rest, in, rest in peace. No, we're not laughing at her. No, but yeah, I wouldn't do that. I'm just laughing at my own <laughs> stupidity. Anyway. 
Back um, to Kellyanne. No, um, we were going to fast forward to the trial because yes, obviously no one believed that she drowned. Uh, no, that of was course not. the only thing that happened to her. Smith denied the mur- murder and claimed Bates uh, would put me through hell, winding me up. Yeah. What a fucking idiot. That was his excuse. She put me through hell, winding me up, baby. Like, yeah. okay, you gouged her eyes out and then burnt her butt cheeks. And but you did it like... <laughs> for well, weeks? It's, it's not like you did it all at one time, like she pissed you off and he was just like, ah, I'm going to like beat her to death. Yeah, that's what that guy said. Like, this wasn't someone who got so mad that he murdered her. This was, like, systematic torture. Yeah. Um, He also claimed that Bates taunted him about his dead mother and had a bad habit of hurting herself to make it look worse on me. When asked to explain why he had blinded, stabbed, and battered her, he said she had dared him to do it, challenging him to do her harm. That doesn't mean you do it. No. Even if, for some weird reason, she was like, gouge me eyes out. You don't do it. No. Absolutely not. Like, I'll show you. You show her by leaving. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody pisses you off that much, you can be like, you know what? You deal with your shit. I'm out. Yeah. That's what a normal human being does. Yeah. And he even, he even said, he tries to pass it off saying that she had a bad habit of hurting herself to make it look worse on me. What an asshole. Like, she wasn't going to scalp herself. Yeah, you know who did shit like that? Uh, Vlad Dracula. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, you want me to do it? <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> he would do that. We'll talk about him at some point, we I think. We will, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, is it Gillian, Gillian, Gillian Mezzi? A consultant <clears throat> psychiatrist told the court that Smith had a severe paranoid disorder with morbid jealousy and lived in a distorted reality. Yeah. The jury at Manchester Crown Court took one hour to find 49-year-old Smith guilty of Bates' murder, sentencing him to life imprisonment. The judge, Mr. Justice Sachs, uh, recommended that Smith serve a minimum term of 20 years. He stated, this has been a terrible case, a catalog of depravity by one human being upon another. You are a highly dangerous person. You are an abuser of women, and I intend so far it is in my power that you will abuse no more. Whoa. The jury were provided with professional counseling to help them deal with the distress of seeing the photographs of Bates's injuries and the sickening violence of the case. Yeah, I was I was just reading that. You know, the, the evidence presented was just so disturbing that every member of the jury had to get professional counseling afterwards. That's fucked, dude. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um like that's that's stuff that happens when you're in a situation. Yeah. Like people that witness a murder, people that witness some sort of like horrific tragedy yep. happen, they get counseling. Yep. Fucking jurors looking at pictures had to get counseling because of how graphic it was. Yeah. Um, you know, actually, I'm thinking since we're on this since since we're on this topic of Serial Saturday, I should do an episode about my own um experience with that. Do you? Yeah, one. Well, yeah, yeah, I I hit and killed a dude on the railroad. Hold on. How have I never known about this? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'll <laughs> I'll tell the story. I'll tell the story on the podcast. Actually, it's it's worth about thirty minutes worth. I would hope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he didn't like blow up or anything. Oh, uh, but 
I mean, it's bad. Like, <laughs> oh, well. I, I can give you some details, but yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get into that at some point okay. on, on the podcast. <laughs> I just now thought, okay, yeah, we're doing Serial Saturday and like one-offs and crazy stuff. I'll tell that story. Yeah. Well, might as well. <laughs> yeah, I might as well. Um, so yeah, that, uh, did we cover what he was sentenced to and all of that? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Is he, he's still in prison, right? Like, I would assume, Yeah. Um, yeah, I would assume so. Uh, just one last thing to note. The jury only took one hour to find him guilty. Yeah. Yeah. I think you mentioned that. <laughs> like they, they didn't even, <laughs> I think most of that was like refilling their coffee and they were like, Oh, he's guilty. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't even think there was anybody that was just like, yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> there's a woman in the corner just, <laughs> just I, hurling. And I think that's, that's probably what happened. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, that about wraps up this episode of Serial Saturday. Uh, we'll catch you guys uh, later on in the week for another regular episode, and then next Saturday for another episode of Serial Saturday. I don't know if we're doing the uh, the molasses thing next, or if you want me to just tell my story next time. <laughs> we'll, you know what? We'll talk about it. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll talk about it and figure it out. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna get out of here. We'll see you guys later on in the week. Bye. Bye.